continue in an attitude of prayer with me. Jesus, how great it is to come here with no condemnation. Those of us who have trusted in you for the forgiveness of our sins can totally rest in you from now on. And what we talk about this morning, as we have it imparted to our nature from your word, what we talk about is gravy. It's, it's, it's that which can uh, add to what you have already done for us. Thank you that we can relax. Thank you that we can rest in you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us your way, that you would teach us your word, not only in our minds and in our hearts, but in our spirits, so that our behavior might follow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking all year long about living like Jesus. Actually, just the last few months, we're talking about being salt and light. And the most effective way you can be salt and light in this world, as Christ has defined us, is to live like he did. We want to we pick out the, the, the quality of Christ uh, this, this morning that is the, kind of the exclusive teaching ground of the church. You know, the world can imitate all that the church has. It can imitate uh, the best of pastoral counseling. It can imitate uh, the, the, uh, the get-togethers, the fellowship, uh, the teaching of the principles of life and, and what is really why the wise ways of living and so on and so forth. But what we're going to talk about this morning, storing up treasures in heaven, the world doesn't have a clue. There's, 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 no, there's no transfer here. So this is very important for us to understand. So important that uh, next year, all year long, we will have an entire year devoted to worship. Worship connects us to our main treasure in heaven, which is Jesus himself. There is, though, the year after when we will spend the entire year talking about living in light of eternity. What are the foreshadowings of heaven and what are the foreshadowings of hell? And so this is just kind of a, a little taste but it's a very important message. If you have your scriptures with you, turn to the sixth chapter of Matthew. And I'm just going to go over three verses today. Three verses. And this is the order of our Lord. It's in the red, so to speak. Verse 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, many times... Before you do something right, you got to subtract something that's wrong. Most of us are maxed out in our lives, and most of us sabotage what's right before we ever get there. And so the best way and the healthiest way is to figure out how to keep from doing something that isn't very productive. And so Jesus starts out with the do not before he gets to the do. Subtract what is negative before he gets to the add what is positive. He says do not... Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, please hear me when I say to you, Jesus hasn't got anything against worldly goods. He doesn't want us to wonder where our next meal is. He doesn't want anybody to wonder where their next meal is coming from, whether or not they have enough to support their family, and so on and so forth. What Jesus is saying here is don't lay up those things and count on them for later on. Because somehow they can be taken from you and eventually will be. 
You know, all of us live with kind of a fear that what we have is going to be taken away. And it's, it's been my observation that that fear is growing as our society becomes more and more volatile and even in some respects more and more violent. I spoke with a group of men this week, and as I was making up that talk, I was, I was uh, going over a, a, a curious um, observation about a statistic I had read. I had read. Um, this comes from the American Kennel Association. Uh, they're the folks that registered dogs. And, and I found it curious that in 1975, there were 100, no, wait a minute, let me get this right, 140 some, 140,000 poodles registered that year. Now, you know what a poodle is, it's just kind of a cute little ball of stuff. And uh, just a little plaything that you pet and put on your face and stuff like that. 140,000 poodles registered in 1975. And only 956 Rottweilers. You also know what a Rottweiler is. That's a dog of protection, a dog of power. 20 years later, 1995, there were 62,000 poodles registered, less than half. And 102,567 Rottweilers registered. The poodles had been cut in half. The Rottweiler registration had grown a hundredfold. Why? Because people are kind of scared. People feel like they need protection. People feel powerless. Why? Because there is inside of us this intuition that what we have could be taken away just like that. And we need protection. And that's what Christ is protecting here. He's protecting us from the assumption of, of mounting up the very thing that we know is going to be taken away, of putting our trust for later in the very thing we know we can't trust in. There is a cathedral of Milan, and that cathedral has three arches. Over one arch is engraved a wreath of roses, and the inscription over that same arch in Latin says this, all that pleases is but for the moment. On its opposite arch, there is engraved a cross. And the inscription there reads, All that troubles is but for the moment. In the middle arch, there is the simple, plain inscription, Only what is eternal is important. Are you pleased right now? It'll pass. <laughs> Are you troubled right now? It'll pass. Only what is eternal is going to last. And we know that. Nobody knows that better than people who have, who have trusted that if they get wealthy enough, then their life is going to be secure. You know if you're wealthy enough now. That stuff doesn't, that doesn't please you. That's not what you know that. Poor people know that because they, 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 you know, they, they've always known that. It's only the, the middle class that's almost wealthy that still kind of places a little hope there. There's a great story that uh, Leo Tolstoy wrote um, called uh, Croesus and the Fates. Uh, Croesus was a, uh, a Greek uh, king and wealthy and, and extravagant and flamboyant. 
But he wanted affirmation in his wealth, and so he went to the wisest man in the kingdom. His name was Solon. He was a philosopher. And he paraded his entourage before Solon. And he looked at Solon and he says, have you, have you ever seen anything so beautiful and exquisite as this? And Solon looked at him and said, yeah. And he was so frustrated. He said, where? Solon said, the peacock is equally beautiful, if not more, the pheasant is equally beautiful, is not, if not more. Well, well, Caresus took Solon back to his, to his entire kingdom and, and, and showed him all that he had and, and all of the victories that he had won and all of the duration he had from the, or adoration that he had from the people. And he said to Solon, Have you, who do you think is the, most, is the most happy man on the face of the earth? Solon said, Well, the last time I noted it was a poor man who lives in Athens. And the and Caresus said, well, what does he have? Solon said, almost nothing. But he wants for very little. He works every day. He's raised five children. He loves his wife. He's contributed to the community. He worships his God. Well, Caresus was so frustrated, he kicked him out. Because he would not take note or let him rest secure in his riches. Soon after that, Caresus' son was killed in a hunting accident. Soon after that, Cyrus, another king, made war on his kingdom, and Cyrus won that war, and his forces came in, tied up Caresus to a stake, and began to burn him at the stake. And as that fire started up toward him, Caresus thought and said, Solon, Solon, how right you were. All those things are not happiness. Cyrus rode in to the execution at that moment and saw him moving his lips and tried to hear what he was trying to say. But he couldn't. And so he ordered the fire stopped, ordered Caresus extracted from the, the pile, and, and said, what were you saying as you were about to die? And a king looked at a king and told him the story of Solon and his words of wisdom. Cyrus, in his heart, knew that all of his wealth wouldn't last him very long. And so he made Croesus his friend and Solon's philosophy his. And that became what I think of as the fellowship of doubt. I, the moment you join the fellowship of doubt, you are a very fortunate person. And the fellowship of doubt says this. Fellowship of doubt says, whatever I have in this world... I doubt is going to last me very long, or I doubt is what I ultimately will be glad about. That's the fellowship of doubt. I doubt that any flesh can really fulfill me. Let's talk further than the flesh. Let's talk about eternal life. Do you believe in eternal life? Most people do. It doesn't take a rocket scientist, although rocket scientists believe in eternal life. When Werner von Braun uh, was asked if he believed in immortality, he said, of course. Werner von Braun, most of you know, is the German uh, genius who built our space program, um, was instrumental in building our space program. And they said, well, why do you believe in, immortal, uh, in immortality? He said, well, nature knows nothing of extinction. Every law of physics we have says it's a law of conservation, that, 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 that something, while it exists, 
um, never becomes extinct. It just simply transforms into another uh, state of being. And so it's no great trick to believe in eternal life. Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, but, but um, um, that makes sense, doesn't it? It's just common sense. Of course we continue to exist. And if we continue to exist in a form other than, as Shakespeare would say, food for worms, if we continue to exist in a form that is conscious, then you've got to think, okay, now where am I putting a lot of my efforts right now? Where am I putting a lot of my resources? Am, am, I, am I putting them on what will last the longest? Bob Buford says this. He said this uh, when he was down here uh, Friday morning. He said, you know, as a businessman, I'm a pretty simple guy. And, and you just always put your investment where it's going to increase the longest. And he said, it's real simple to me. You're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive. I mean, he said, do the math. <laughs> do the math on this thing. You're just going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive. So, so where should you build up your riches? Where should you build up uh, your storehouse? So, so the point here is that, that Jesus is saying, don't, don't go to, to, to counting on that, that the things that you think you're glad about on earth, are gonna, you're going to be glad about later. Look at the next verse. Look what he says in the next verse. Verse 20 says, but lay up for yourselves. Now, this is a present, imperative, active, verb tense and mood. And what it means is this. Continue. This is, this is imperative, so it's an order from God. This is in the red here. Order from Jesus. Lay up for yourselves. Imperative means, I mean, present tense means it's a continuous or repeated action. Continue to do this. Work at this continually. Active means it's your job. You, you do something about it. Don't, don't expect it to come. You do something about it. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. What are treasures in heaven? Well, there are three that the Bible mentions. The first treasure, as we have said, is our relationship with God. That's our main treasure. I mean, if we don't take anything into heaven with us, we will always enjoy that. I mean, enjoy beyond, I can't even, it's ineffable. I can't, I can't tell you how pleasurable it will be to be in the presence of one who loves us so much and who we have finally learned to love for who he is. That's our main treasure. Are there any other treasures that we can take with us? Yeah, the Bible mentions two. First of all, you can take people. Well, you can't take them. I mean, they've, they, they've got to accept for themselves the gift of salvation. But you can, anything you can do to help them get there, you will be glad about. You will be eternally glad about. Parents, the, simple, the simplest thing you can do for your kids and the most profound gift you can ever give them is to read to them from the Word of God, to teach them what's in Scripture, to pray for them. The, the most profound and deep and meaningful gift you will ever have is to know that your kids will be forever with you in heaven. Absolutely bar none. And so it's so important that we just do the simple things. Husbands and wives, as, as you, as you uh, try to negotiate and function in the world together, one of the most profound relationships you can build with one another is a spiritual relationship. Most people get so functional that most of their conversation is negotiating problems. And you may build up a great negotiating partner. 
But if that's all you talk about, if you don't have, if you don't pray together, if you don't, if you don't worship together, if you don't do, then, then you've, you've got nothing. I mean, it's like, it's all about how to keep little Billy from being a lung kid. And that, there's more to life than that. There, there really is. And so, and so to invest spiritually in people is, is, is the way, one of the ways you lay up a treasure in heaven, a storehouse. But there's another way. The Bible mentions rewards for things we have done. Turn with me, if you have your scriptures with you, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me read to you this, just a couple of verses here. First of all, in verse 10, it, it, it cautions, it gives us this admonition. Let each man be careful how he builds upon it. Let each man be careful how he builds. And then in verse 14, it has these verses, these words. If any man's work which he has built remains, he shall receive a reward. Now, what does that mean? Well, just a minute now. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, so as through fire. You see, burning and fire in the Bible is always a test for purity and what lasts and what's real. So there'll be certain things that we do down here on earth that we take with us that we'll always have with us and we'll always be glad about. That's our reward. There, the, the one thing you can take with you that is of this world is, a, is your mind. That's the one thing you can, you know you're going to, that's who you are. If you don't believe in extinction and you don't believe in reincarnation, which we don't, Hebrews says it's one, appointed once for a man to die and then to judgment. And, 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 if, and, and if you don't believe in nirvana, like we become one with the universe, if you believe you have an eternal, individual relationship with Jesus Christ, then you've got to believe you take one thing with you, and that's your mind. If you take your mind with you, what you are taking with you in your identity, what you're taking with you is memories. And so, so the question is this. What, when you get in the presence of God, will you always be glad about? What, what in your life will, will you say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I did that? I, I had an incident with my grandfather one time. He, it was near the end of his life. And, 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 and time and old age was drawing the shade down on his memory. You know how this, this works. It's starting to happen to some of us already. When the shade comes down on your memory, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't go backwards forward. It goes forward backwards. That is to say, you can't remember what you did yesterday, but you can remember what you did when you were nine years old. And that's how it works. And so my grandfather uh, was, well, he had had so many strokes, he was coming to that state, he could still communicate, but he couldn't remember anything recent. And, and, and one day my grandmother and I were talking with him, and he kind of looked a little nervous and a little giddy, a little giddy, you know, and a little, had a little twinkle in his eye. And so I'm, I'm thinking, what's going on in there, you know? And, 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 uh, and, and, and my grandmother left the room for a minute, and I looked at my grandfather, and I said, Pop. He said, what? I said, I said, do you know who that was that left the room? And, you know, checking out his memory. You know who that was that just left the room? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, who, who was it? He said, that was Lena Beth Crawford. Now, Lena Beth Crawford was my grandmother's maiden name. What had happened was that he was now in the presence of the girl he was romancing in order to marry. I don't know who he thought I was. 
But the sweetness of that moment, they had 54 years of a rugged marriage, sometimes absolutely hellacious. But God, at that time, had brought that shade down off, off, uh, to, to blot out all of, those, all of those problems and just gave him a glimpse of how he once loved her and how she could love him. Sometimes that's not good theology, but it's just a glimpse of what heaven might be. What are those moments in our lives that we will always be glad for, will always treasure? I believe that there are moments when we acted just like Jesus Christ. When we gave to people who couldn't, who couldn't make it on their own. When, when, we, when we loved people who couldn't love themselves. When we thought like Christ. I believe there's going to be a day when we get to heaven and those are going to be our rewards. Those are the treasures we store up in heaven. Whenever we act or love or think like Jesus, we'll always be glad of that. And the last verse here says this. It says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now usually when preachers preach about this, they talk about, well, God doesn't want your money, He wants you. And that's how, but let me, let me just refine that. That's a valid point. But let me refine that even a little bit um, um, more closely. He wants for our life, our motivations, our goals to, re, to reveal what is the heavenly state of purity. So that there's no longer any going back and forth. You know there's a little businessman in all of us. Kind of how can I get the best out of this angle? And that's the opposite of who Jesus is. It says, it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how though he was rich, for your sakes became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Now if... We're going to live like Jesus. That has to be the hallmark of why we do what we do. Not the win-win situation. That's of the flesh. Now, that's good in, that's, that's good in the world. That's a, that's a good principle in the world. But when you get to heavenly things, we win through losing. I mean, that's the principle. We give it all so that others might become rich through our poverty. That's what Jesus did. And that's how you can tell. I know we keep kind of squirreling in the, you know, Jesus said, whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of spirit is spirit. John 3, 6. And so, so we need to watch out for this flesh kind of creeping back in this, you know, so that we're not just storing up stuff in heaven so we can be rich when we get there. That's the flesh. But so that we're really doing this in order to resemble Christ, to reflect Christ, and to love, to truly love others in a self-sacrificial way. Now, we've got to watch ourselves because it'll creep back in. I, the other day, well, I was going out of the church, and, and uh, a good place for, for uh, uh, panhandlers is in a church parking lot. I mean, if, if the service lets out and there's somebody out there, I mean, it's it's pretty good uh, bet that you're going to get a little contribution here and there. And so there was one out in the parking lot. We have a regular group, and uh, I've gotten to know most of them, and and we, and we try, well, we try to help, I mean, we try to help him a little bit longer term, because that's cool. But this one I'd never seen before, and I've never seen him since. But I walked out, it was late at night, and he started to tell me a story, and I always do, I always have the same reaction. I don't, I'm not, a, I don't want to hear 
the whole story because I, I don't want to judge a person on the basis of their story because they may be a good storyteller. And a, you know, I, so I just, my reaction is always the same. My job is just to give. So I just, I, hope, I happen to have some, uh, my wife had given me some money that day. And so I <laughs> <laughs> opened up my wallet and I just gave him the biggest bill, you know, that I had. And, uh, and I said, well, this is from Jesus. You know, this is, this is just his gift. He's crazy about you. And the guy says, well, God bless you. And he goes off. Well, I, I got in the car and I turned, her, turned around the thing and turned left to go to, go to where we live. And uh, I saw the guy heading toward the post-time lounge. And I thought, ah, rats. You know, he's going to spend that money on booze. And then I thought, well, that's not my deal. That's, I, my deal is to give. That's who Jesus is. My deal isn't to control the gift after I give it. And, and, uh, and, and so I was just kind of watching him as he walked along. And then something started slipping off the front seat. So I, so I, I bent down and I, and I put it back. And then I straightened up again and looked, and he was gone. Now, it couldn't have been two seconds that I took my eyes off this guy and looked over, and he was gone. Now, my first thought was, that guy was an angel. That's my first thought. You know what my second thought was? I wish I'd have given him more money. <laughs> See, now, the flesh is kind of creeping back in there. Because I'm trying to increase my account here. If I'd have known he's an angel, I'd have given him a lot more, you know. <laughs> While the guy's a bum, he's Jesus Christ. You know that, don't you? Matthew 25. That's who that is. And that's how we've got to remember it. We've got to watch ourselves here. There's, the flesh can always creep back in. The, the, I, I, but the, we're doing the parking lot, as you will well know. Uh, just hang in there with us. So I'm thinking, what are ways that I can just... I can just kind of invest in eternity here. Just kind of neat little way. So I said to Bud the other day, I said, Bud, how much does a, is when, when, we, when you divide all this up, how much is a parking space going to cost in a parking lot? He said 75 bucks. So I think to myself, well, this is cool because I'm going to take sometime between now and Christmas, I'm going to take 75 bucks, put parking lot on it. And that way, even though I've, I've you know, done the deal before, still there's something about picturing in my mind. I've provided a parking space for somebody to come in and worship God and get filled up with Christ six, seven days a week uh, for the next 25 years. What better investment, what better heavenly investment can I do, you know? And then as soon as I thought about that, I'm thinking, I wonder if I could just get one and I could use it and then anybody, anybody else could use it when I'm not there, you know? <laughs> you know, it's kind of win-win thing, you know? That's a, the flesh is kind of creeping back in. But the point is this. The point is... That, that this heavenly treasure stuff is fairly simple. And I'll close with this. This, isn't, this doesn't require genius level. This just requires, you know, Lord, I'm going to start today what I know, what I know I will never be sorry for when I get in your presence. You can, you can stand out here, you can stand in here for a week and you can watch person after person giving their life away for Jesus Christ. The kids that come down, come in here and they go down to restore Orlando to work. They will never regret that when they get to heaven. The, 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 I prayed with a group yesterday that, that, that meets here every month to go out and paint another widow's house, you know, just to, just to, just to help them out. They will never, they are never going to get to heaven and look at God and say, you know what? I wish I'd have watched a football game that Saturday. They are never going to do that. We, we will never get to heaven and say, you know, instead of teaching Sunday school, I wish, I'd have, I wish I'd have gone to work and earned some more money so I could buy some more stuff. We will never say that. 
See, this is common sense. So here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. And we're going to have a, we're going to have a song that's kind of a celebratory song. It says, okay, I got it here. And, and Jesus is uh, enough, and he's where I want to invest. Here's what I want to challenge you with. During this song, um, if you have, if God has put something in your mind that you want to start the investment, your, your kind of your heavenly account today, I mean consciously. Becky has a brother who is, who is very wealthy. And she can remember the day that he was a little kid sitting at the table. He had spent all of his allowance as he always did. And somehow somebody told him about saving. And he said, I'm going to start saving. This is a little boy now. And he said, he's just sitting there all alone. He said, one, two, three, go. And for him, that was the start. Today, he was a, he's a wealthy man because there came a time in his life when he started. This may be your morning to start. You may say, Lord, I, I haven't been tithing. I want to tithe. I know, I know I'm supposed to. I have, uh, last time, uh, something came by, I just kind of chintzied out. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to start not to chintzy out anymore. Lord, I, I know that, 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 that I'm investing my time uh, over here, and I know, boy, if, if I did this, I'd be so glad someday to remember that with you. But if, if the Lord will bring something to your mind, come down, kneel, and say, one, two, three, go. During this last song, let me pray before. Lord, thanks for this time together to, to consider what is eternal because only what is eternal is important. Jesus said that. And we know that he wants us not only to be with him, but to be glad that we didn't wait until we were with him in order to, to do what he would do, to live like he would live. Lord, help us right now to consider just specifics and then help us start. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Anytime during this song, you just come forward and then go back to your seat if you like.
Y'all stand, please. We want to keep the altar open for anybody that wants to pray at any time. It's just real helpful. When you come from some of our backgrounds, it's just so helpful just to come and be with the Lord and kneel. And if that's helpful to you, we sure want to invite you. Now, let me ask the prayer team to come forward. And let me invite any of you, as we do every Sunday. Um, If you're not sure that you're going to go to heaven, If you're not absolutely confident in that, but you want to be confident in that, 
then you can come forward this morning and you can pray with the prayer team and they can lead you to that assurance. Salvation's a gift. It's just something that you say thank you and you accept. And then you live like that for the rest of your life. Not by your own power, but by God's power. So that's available to you today. As well as these brothers and sisters who will pray with you about any need you have in your life. Now let's go from this place and let's think eternity. Amen.